skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like when your dad loves Trump, <laughs> monkey branching, <laughs> navigating intimacy after trauma. But first, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. Yes, we are not professionals. No. We are not trained or certified in giving advice or relationship counseling or anything like that, really. To Mm -mm. remind all of you, we are English majors. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's absolutely right. Yep. Um, Who graduated from the University of Minnesota. A great institution. Yep. Driven to discover. And I wrote my senior thesis on um, whether or not female characters have to suffer in order for us to love them. (laughs) And Sam wrote his on punctuation. And trauma. (laughs) Which is to say, please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to episode 74, Samuel. It's 74. 74. Um, I have a bit of news for everyone. Okay. And that is that uh, we are going to take the next 
two weeks off of Just Break Up. Yep. And that is very sad, we know, but that is what we did last year, and it really gave us a good time to reset. It gave us time to focus on our family time. Um, Because we produce this podcast, we work really hard to bring you an episode every week, plus Mm -hmm. our Patreon episode, and we like to give ourselves a little time off every year. So uh, our next episode will air, I think it's January 6th. I believe is the next Monday. Yeah, it's a, we're gonna take the the Monday before Christmas and the Monday before New Year's off. Yes. Um. But if you are like, oh my God, I'm so sad about uh not listening to Just Break Up episodes, we you can always support us on Patreon for five dollars a month to hear the additional extra episode every week and the backlog of episodes that we've been posting basically since this time last year. Yeah, so there's a lot of them in there. Yes, absolutely. Um, As always, thank you so much for being understanding and supporting us. Um, This will help us fill up our wells, our empathy wells within us, (laughs) so that we can do this work that we love to do. No, it's more like, ugh. Now we have to deal with our families. We can't deal with these (laughs) listeners right now. (laughs) Just kidding. Love you, family. (laughs) Yeah. But love you more, listeners. (laughs) Um, Okay. So our check-in topic is so cute. Uh Uh-huh. It's inspired by a letter. And I saved it for this episode because it's a good end of the year. We've been doing this podcast now for a year and a half. But end of 2019, our podcast has been out for one whole year. Mm-hmm. Like a calendar year in addition to the extra months. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Math and time. Very confusing. And like, where are we going with this? <laughs> okay. It's a good it's a good question to um, reflect on the year. So Millie Rock from Texas writes, Hi Sam and Sierra. My friend recommended your podcast to me this summer and I'm totally hooked. Shout out to Jody. Thank you, Jody. Jody, we love you. You're doing God's work. <laughs> I listen to you guys on my way to and from work, and it soothes my soul. Thank you for all that you do. Here's a check-in topic. Have you, any of your exes that you've mentioned throughout the podcast reached out to you? I sometimes listen to your stories of dumpster fire exes and wonder if they're listening and get mad. Also, (laughs) Sierra, has anyone uh, you've written a poem about reached out? I'm truly... Totally curious. Again, thank you so much for all that you do in promoting head and heart work. You both make me feel a little less alone, and I love y'all. Oh. I know. That's so sweet. I know. Millie Rock? Yes. Awesome. Uh, good question, right? Yeah. And I know the answer to it, <laughs> and it's not a very exciting one. No, it's not. But I thought it was such a good question because I'm sure other people have asked it mm-hmm. or like been thinking it. Yeah. Um, and I think Sam and I can both confidently say that no. No, they haven't. None of no. access that contacted Thank God. Us. Well, I mean, the one that I talk about the most has no means of contacting me. Yeah, so maybe he, he did. blocked on literally everything. Black, 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 black. I haven't checked Tis my spam. the sp- season. <laughs> am I right? I haven't checked my spam filter on my uh, Gmail recently, so maybe he has. <laughs> but if he did, it went directly in there. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, no, none of my exes have either. Um, I know... That, like, one of them has listened to some of the episodes, but How? in, huh? How do you? Because know? he told me. Oh. But it was like a friendly, like, good job. Oh, okay. Yes. My good true love ex. Got it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, un- unfortunately, no. No. However, I will answer the one about poetry. People have not reached out, me- out to me via poetry, um, like, if I've written a poem about them. But many of them know about the poems I've written about them. It's much more transparent than I think people think. Yeah. I mean, I don't—I'm sure that some of my exes 
listen to this podcast. Yeah. And unlike when we or ask have you guys... listened to like one episode, like I don't think they listen religiously, but like, yeah. It, yeah. I do think about it quite a bit of being like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if that person is listening to this episode. Right. I, I figured that they aren't because like they... They were like slighted by us yeah. <laughs> and they're like, or they're like rage listening and they're just like mad because like we are having some sort of joy and success in our life. Right. Are you, if you're, if you found out that one of your exes hosted a podcast that was like relationship advice or like something like very personal. Oh my God. I, the Gemini in me is freaking out. I hate this you, question. Would you listen? Oh God. I would for sure listen. <laughs> I would listen to, but I would, I, I'm so sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm so sensitive. And that's why I love pretending like none of that exists. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember once I, um, this is before I reconnected with one of my exes. We had like a, with like a couple year break in between our little emotional flings. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of those breaks, I, um, I like listened to his music on YouTube Mm. And he had written, there were like two songs on there that were specifically about me. And I knew they were like, like direct references to things about oh, okay. me. And like, I have a tattoo of a poppy and we'd be like, you're a tattoo of your poppy. You know, like it, it, it was <laughs> he's probably listening right now. And he's like, I know what she's talking about. <laughs> it was undeniably me, you know? Um, so that was weird. Yeah. I don't know. I guess to answer, like not, we've answered the question, but to like get, get to the, social science mm -hmm. behind it i the only way i can do this podcast at at the level of vulnerability that i do is to have a have kind of blinders on right like yep. i try to be ethical and i try to be anonymous and i try to be forgiving or or have empathy for the mistakes people have made or the mistakes i have ha made mm -hmm. but i have to i have to go around with those blinders on just a little so that i don't like get really anxious at night about the things that i've said or feel very too vulnerable about oversharing for sure sometimes i definitely go home and think like oh my god did I say that right? Or did I come off like an asshole? Like, I think something that we could s speak on inspired by this check-in topic is like how incredibly vulnerable it is to do this because um, we come off as, I think, charismatic and somewhat confident. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> somewhat, you know, <laughs> but that uh, it requires us to really put ourselves out there and pretend to know that we're what we're talking about mm -hmm. so much that like it can be really if I think about it too hard I'll be like oh my god why am I doing this right yeah but that's the performer in me where I like part of me like part of me has to black out in order for me to do this <laughs> <laughs> it's true like I often don't remember episodes because totally. I'm just like oh we're just talking yeah blah, blah, blah. yeah and yeah, then yeah yeah and it is in some ways such a performance, even though we are being super vulnerable and, and talking authentic. about this stuff and like, yeah. like really trying to reach out to people. Like it is so much like as an introvert, it is so much like outside of my, uh, yeah. like my comfort zone to talk this much for this long. Right. Um, that sometimes I'm like, oh, that's right. We, that was a question that we had. <laughs> right. Totally. Or I think that if you and I, I mean, it's so intimate, like we're sitting in the studio by ourselves talking, mm -hmm. But if you and I like sat 
and actually physicalize the fact that we have 10,000 people listening to this one episode, it would <laughs> be a lot scarier For sure. than you and me and Spencer's salt lamps. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer, who is now, he doesn't even sit in the room with us yeah, anymore because yeah. he's, he's like, so I've over heard us. it all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so no, nobody has contacted us. We have gotten some really lovely notes from listeners who we've answered their questions and Mm -hmm. they give us updates. And most of all, we get the kindest, most generous, most supportive messages from people like you all on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, sharing your love for the podcast, sharing your experiences. And I love that. We love that because it just... It really does that though your kind messages is what quiets those anxious voices at mm-hmm. night. Like when I leave the studio and I think, oh my God, did I say something stupid? Did I come off like an asshole? I am all of those fears are quieted by the really thoughtful messages that you all send us. So yeah, that's real. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, sorry that's not like more of an exciting answer. No, <laughs> really I rock. wish like it would be fun <laughs> to be like, oh hey, you're reaching mm-hmm. out to me. But yeah, I mean, I do live in fear that like one of them is going to come out and be like, this asshole's giving relationship advice and he cheated on me. Yeah, but then I would one be of like, your exes. Yeah, I'd be like, well, <laughs> well, you're that right. is true. <laughs> I was 21 at yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> I totally agree. It's like, well, what? I, I'm just doing the best that I can. Like, <laughs> And for those of you that can't see me at home, I am shrugging my heart, my hands in, in surrender. Like, right. we're just trying our best. Yep. And you don't always have to agree with us, but we're really lucky to have you all on, on board with us. Sure. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I took a survey of t- on Twitter of like, if the Just Breakup listeners had like a name for themselves, the way mm. that my favorite murder folks have murderinos. Yeah. Um, and there was lots of very funny answers, um, like the blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want you to bust the block. We want you to uphold the block, <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the best one is... A little clunky, but it's just the best, which is the head and heart workers Aww. or the heart workers. I know. That's cute. Yeah. So our lovely heart workers, we're so lucky to do this work with you. Yeah. I know. Isn't that sweet? That's adorable. Um, okay. So let's get into our letters. All right. Our first letter comes from LP Anonymous, who's writing from Denver, Colorado. Oh, and this is this letter was chosen because of the holiday season that is upon us. That's right. And the forced time to spend with family. <laughs> Hey, Sam and Sierra, longtime listener, first time caller. I found your podcast at the perfect time during a breakup in May. I've recommended you to many friends and continue to listen as my head and heart heal. Thank you for being the voices reminding us all to be gentle with ourselves and to suffer no fools. (laughs) I'm going to use that tagline for sure. (laughs) My question concerns family relationships, specifically the one between adult children and their parents. My dad and I have struggled to connect in my adulthood. I'm 32 and an only child, and it's been even harder since Trump became president. My father wears his MAGA hat and the lifetime member NRA jacket proudly. He says libtard and close our borders and is in general an intolerant asshole. It took me years to recognize in one of my favorite photos from childhood that my dad is wearing a Confederate flag bandana on his head while I'm strapped in wearing my Daisy Duck helmet on the back of his bike. Now I understand that his views and beliefs have always been there, but now he feels no holes barred permission to shout it from the rooftops. He is retired, but not really nurturing any hobbies unless listening to those horrifying right-wing podcasts and watching guns and ammo reviews on YouTube count as a hobby. 
He lives in another state and we talk on the phone maybe once a month, but usually instigated by me. I share my work with him. I've been a nonprofit unicorn my entire professional career, working in youth-serving community-based organizations and underserved communities. Shout out to my nonprofit friend Mm -hmm. here. And I tiptoe around the things in this world that matter to me in order to avoid a blowout or deep dive into a political conversation. I wouldn't hesitate to have those conversations if his intent wasn't just to parrot inflammatory ideas and dehumanize people and quote those elected bigots. It's not a conversation. It's a rampage. It is very hard to connect with him, and I truly do not know if he understands how I choose to live my life and that I am trying to break down the very walls he has invested in building physically and metaphorically. Long story long, I have nothing in common with this person, but feel an obligation to have a relationship with him because he is my dad. The holidays are truly the worst. He does not see me as an adult and often says very inappropriate things to me as if we are buddy-buddy or that I echo any of his political sentiments. I am unsure how to create and enforce boundaries with him. He would be heartbroken that his little girl doesn't want to hang out with him and only feels safe speaking with him once a month. The tension is very real. The expectation of closeness because of familial tiles is very real. Mm -hmm. I view all interactions with him as a get in and get the hell out scenario. It feels terrible and I do not know how to approach this with someone who may not be interested in the cooperation required for this relationship to continue. Do you have any advice around boundaries that you can share? Wow, what a very relatable letter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people are feeling very mm-hmm. similar as we head into the holidays and go back home to people yeah. who might not share our political views. Yes, totally. I do have to say that I feel um, like an onus to admit that I do not um, have the same challenge with my family. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel lucky to be very politically, ideologically aligned with my family. However, um, I do know what it's like to have an incredibly painful rift in like ideologies with a family member whom you want to be close to, yep. who you want to see evolve, who you want to like have maintain a connection with, but find it too painful to be too close with that person. Um, And so, and you all have heard me speak about this on different levels, um, but that, that is a very difficult thing for so many people. And then like to expand it to the more universal experience, like the listener is so correct in saying that that the pressure to be close with their family and those and the implications that family ties have are so real mm-hmm. and so deep seated and so like mentally gaslighting. I think right? like because yep. we grow up with this idea of what a family should be and what a family unit should look like and and how to you know to respect your elders and all of these things when uh, and th- and then like to have your your elders or your family member like totally disregard your entire belief system mm-hmm. or potentially your way of life or the person you love or how you love and things like that. It's just hard. It's just yeah, challenging. It is. And people have tons of anxiety around this season, mm-hmm. like going to like see their families and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the holidays is it are wonderful. Like I love, love Christmas. He I'm loves like a, Christmas so much. And a Christmas obsessed He was person. like earlier, before we started recording, he's like, we're not talking about Christmas for a check-in topic. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. We... Our favorite parts of Christmas. <laughs> uh, but it's also like 
yeah, the holidays are just a really hard time for so many folks. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's talk really quickly about how holidays are hard because you expect them to be good. Yeah. Or like you, you're like, oh, my God, this is the joyful, romantic, wonderful time. So it's so much pressure yeah. to like be happy mm-hmm. that like sometimes your brain does the cruel things that our brains do to be like, uh-uh-uh, like you're not going to be as happy and cool and well-rounded and adult as everyone else in the world. For sure. And I think, you know, yeah. And like we talked about this last year, uh, like around this time, like my dad was getting so bad and like everything was awful. And it was also like, this is, I'm supposed to feel like it's holiday time. Yeah. Like it's supposed to it's feel the most really wonderful ma- time of the year. <laughs> right. And like, I love Christmas. So like, right. And I remember talking about it and being like, it doesn't feel like Christmas. Like, right. I don't. I don't know what it is, but it just doesn't feel like Christmas. And that is, that's disappointing. And I'm this year, you know, dealing with the fact that my dad has passed and like right. this will and be the first year without him. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to figure out how to um, navigate that and like take what I want from this in a way that I like take what I want from the holiday and leave what doesn't work for me anymore and make space for both experiences right like how do you make space for literal like grief and literal holiday cheer (laughs) like how do those fit together right and the weird thing is because life is weird and people are complicated is that both of those things can be true at the same time yes absolutely i'm looking forward to christmas this year in a way that i haven't in a while like i'm super excited about it because i'm just like because i have been taught right life is too short to not be excited about spending time with loved ones yeah. and friends and celebrating something that gives us joy. Totally. Right? Like, I'm I'm so done with being like, oh, Christmas is too commercial. Like, like yeah, all yeah. of this, like... Sam's like, fuck you, Christmas haters. <laughs> right? Like, all of this... Just kidding. Like, all of the things that we do to impose guilt on ourselves for taking pleasure in things that well, are Well, it was like our pumpkin spice us. latte right, conversation exactly. where it was like, really? Like, you really want to shit on people who like pumpkin spice? Like, for sure. Because Which they're quote-unquote basic. was a Patreon episode, so not everyone heard that conversation. Well, <laughs> they can support us during this holiday season of giving for just right. $5 a month. <laughs> yes. But I'm like, I am rejecting that this year. Life is too short and too hard to make it harder. Yes. Right? It Like... I'm just excited about Christmas. I started listening to Christmas music in early November. I was just like, <laughs> fuck it. It brings me joy. Yeah, totally. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And I'm going to spend time with friends and family and celebrate this thing that we all share and just like enjoy it. Yeah. Which is like, sorry, LP, that was like not at all related to you. But I also think there is something there too, right? I think like. Well, you were just talking about carrying those two things at the same time right. and how that is inherently possible. For sure. And so I don't want. I know that the holidays are really stressful because you're going to have to go back and talk to your dad who is alienating you on purpose. But also, like, don't let that get in the way of you enjoying this time with family, with chosen family, with friends. Like, both of those things can happen at the same time. You can dread going home to your dad, but you can also be excited for the fact that this is a time to be thankful and to celebrate and to enjoy the coziness of being with other people in a time of of cold and dark, right? Yeah, and we can give you strategies about how to deal with this. I before we go into that, I do want to say that I'm going to avoid uh giving advice that involves like cutting this person out of oh. your life. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, because it sounds like they don't want to. Well, it sounds like they feel guilty about Wanting to cut that person out. Yeah. Um, well, I, I read or listened to the letter as though 
they wanted to put some healthy boundaries between them, but but they weren't at the point where they felt like their relationship or their father or their relationship with their father was at a point where it was like, I, this is toxic. I have to cut it off. Mm -hmm. Do you agree or am I misreading it? I think that I'm having, I think that I'm having issues because I think that that relationships are inherently two way streets. right? Right. And if, if you are in relationship with a person who is, who is intentionally alienating you right. and intentionally causing you harm, yeah. right? And I'm not just saying because of his ideological beliefs, like we can talk about that, but because of the behavior he exhibits yes. when he is in conversation with you, yeah. right? Like he is intentionally like undermining you. He is intentionally gaslighting you. Like right. that behavior to me is unacceptable. And if and I don't want you to feel an obligation to this person just because he is your father. Yes. Because his behavior is unacceptable. Yes. And not I'm not saying that because he's a Trump supporter. I'm saying that because he is being intentionally offensive to you right. and undermining the work that you do, the things that you value. And it is perfectly possible to be in relationship with someone who has ideologically different beliefs, right? Yeah. You can just choose not to talk about politics or whatever, right? But he is making the intention or he's making the intentional choice to make this difficult for you. Yeah. And that is what the issue is for me. Well, the reason why I said that is because I was going to preface our advice on like how to be in the same room with him by saying like, you don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to be in the same room with this person. And this goes to anybody out there who's having um, family uh, drama. Family drama sounds too like petty, like because family issues are so deep rooted and actually like trauma based. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not family drama, but like anybody who's feeling like, oh, my God. I have a toxic relationship with a family member, but I feel obligated to keep them in my life because they're family, because family over everything or whatever all the other like, you know, wood hand painted wood signs say, you know, in quote signs or whatever. Um, We've been taught that family is forever Mm -hmm. and that's just not real. So if you LP Mm -hmm. and or anyone out there feel emotionally physically unsafe um or un um like in a toxic situation with a family member you absolutely have the right to cut them from your life and honestly or or put like space between you and them like like don't talk to them for three months or it's about creating a sense of control in your own environment whether that be your space or your internal um your your in your mind about how you can put space between you and them so they cannot hurt you anymore right. and sometimes that's physical space and sometimes that's mental space for sure and maybe we now we can talk about like strategies about how to put that mental space between them <laughs> yep if you're not ready to like cut a person out of your life completely right um yeah and i mean i think that is what we talk about all the time right yeah. like boundaries are yeah. the are an important thing here and so um, even though your your dad doesn't treat you like an adult, you are an adult in this right. situation. And so you get to make choices about what you talk about, what yeah. things he is allowed to say to you. And you can be explicit about those things, too. You can say, Dad, you are not allowed to say that thing to me or in my presence. Right. right? And if you do, then I am leaving. Right. And that can be a hard and fast boundary because you don't have just because he is your dad doesn't mean that you have to be subjected to offensive things that he is saying about you or about other people. Right. For me, uh, something that I want to share is um, how much we want closeness or we want people to change. Yeah. And how that is for me, 90 percent of my familial 
pain is wanting someone to change, wanting someone to be closer to me yeah. than, than over their actual actions. Right. Right. Um, to share a little personally, um, I am very close with my father and I have, I have wanted certain a level of acceptance from him about my personal life. And I had that have, that's brought me so much pain. Just like I relate to a lot of just like the emotional underlying, um, the underlying emotions in LP's letter about like, just like worrying and wanting and wishing things to be different. Yep. And something that brought me a lot of healing um, over my relationship with my dad and the expectations of my father was realizing that all of those wants, while they are valid, I don't actually need my dad to change. Mm. I don't need him to change, really, because my life will go on whether or not he changes or not. And I can, and I am an agent of change and action and joy in my own life. And that who who he is and what he chooses to do, I will not affect whether or not I find happiness in my life. Yeah, and so. All of a sudden, I, I I shifted the my mental anguish from one of like, ugh, I wish we were closer. I wish he would do this. I wish he would uh, give me more love and acceptance over my relationship. I shifted all the way from that to thinking, I just need my dad to be kind and respectful to me. That yeah. is the bare minimum that I need from him yep. because everything else won't affect me and my joy and my sure. love. That's right. And that's a... That is Who that. they are can become not your problem if you if you create a healthy enough relationship with that. Yes. Yep. And that is like that is the healthy mindset that goes into the boundaries that we're talking right. about. Totally. Right. Like it's not just about being petty and being like, you can't talk about that with me. But right. being like, no, all you need to do is offer me the baseline of kindness and respect, which is and what the, does that look like? Right? right. And how do you define that? And then you can say like, sorry, sorry, dad. But like. We agreed to like these or I asked you for these very basic things, which is that you treat me with kindness and respect. So either you need to start over and and change what you're saying and what you're doing or I can't continue to be in this relationship with you in this way. Right. Right. I I need very little from this right now. But this is and if you can't meet me there, then I don't know how we can maintain this relationship. Totally. I totally agree. Another thing I um, I actually read um, when like skimming some articles about like how the fuck to deal with family <laughs> mm-hmm. during the holidays. Um, and one of the things I pulled out that I really loved, I think it was from like a, honestly, like a psychology today article, very accredited, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it said something like it's business, not pleasure. And basically like the gathering of the family, you might have like a cultural association with it being like this warm, fuzzy family time that's supposed to feel good and be sentimental and nostalgic and kind and warm and all of these things. But like it it might be healthier for you to think about all of your interactions with your father as like a work engagement. Right. Yep. Or do you use Sam's cheerful and stupid. Well, it's not Sam's. It's, it's not. Dr. Joy Brown. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> we always... <laughs> Um, but that if you if you mentally think like, OK, I'm going to clock into this social interaction and mm. I'm going to clock out, we grant ourselves like a certain distance between um, 
if we have a healthy understanding of it, we don't always equate our work to our worthiness. Yep. And the same thing is with your family. Like if you keep that healthy distance between um, what is it important to you and et cetera. For sure. Yeah. Clock into it and then clock out yeah. when you feel safe at your home. Yes. I think there's something to be said or like we would not be being 100 percent accountable if we did not talk about like the dynamics at play here, particularly with this very specific um administration and how it feels so difficult um, and yet important to draw these lines because so many people's actual like rights are at stake, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or like livelihoods are threatened or everything from being incredibly disrespected to being oppressed, you know, um, is coming out right now or, or was there for hundreds of years, but is, on the front page now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think think that uh, us white people have an obligation to speak to our other white family members about um, issues like racism or we have an obligation of as um, open-minded people to try to uh, speak for those who might not have um, the same platform as we do. Yep. However, I, I just wanted to like, I wanted to say that, mention that, but also say it's fucking hard <laughs> to be a human. It's hard out there to be a perfect activist or um, a perfect advocate. And unfortunately, time with our family is when we should feel safe and clocked mm-hmm. out. And so often it is not. And I just want to give you per- permission, LP, or anyone out there to like, Yes, we should always be um, advocates for change and push against oppressive forces. Um, but you also deserve to have like a peaceful Christmas yeah. dinner, mm-hmm. right? Where everyone somehow gets along and then you can go home and be safe with your partner or your family or your friends or something like that. Like, I want to acknowledge that that sometimes having those hard conversations with people who might have different ideologies than us is very important. Mm-hmm. But so is our mental health and our well-being and our ability to coexist in our family um, f- for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I think LP, it seems like you've had a lot of conversations with your dad about these things, right? And have come up against sort of an um, like a a total wall where he doesn't seem to want to be meeting you at any place in this conversation, right? right? And so. I will say, like, it's up to you to continue. It's up to you to whether or not you think that you can be effective in in helping to change his mind, but also possibly not not interacting with him. Right. Would be a very big tool. It would be a tool that you can use to say this is not appropriate behavior and you are hurting me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like me, your child, your child, personalize it in that way and say, like. I can't, you are, you have become someone who I can no longer be in relationship with. Right. Like that is how bad things have gotten. And um, like, I don't know if that's going to be effective or if that's just going to entrench him more in his um, sort of defensiveness. Right. But at this point, it seems like you've tried a lot of tools and none of them have worked. Um, And so I, I want to encourage you to say, to not have to continue to slam yourself up against an immovable wall in the effort of trying to change this one man. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, 
And sometimes people are just so entrenched in their views that it can be hard to have these types of conversations over and over and over again. And so I want to say to you that you have the ability to make a big statement or to make a big change and say that this is an appropriate behavior, this is hurting you, and that you you cannot move him. Yes, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I think that, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just going to say, but take some time for you. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is really hard. And like, if your holidays become checking in to work and become being cheerful and stupid, like think about how you are, how you are filling yourself back up. Right. Because it can be really hard to continue to have these conversations and be in space where you just want love and you're not getting it in the way right. that you need it. Right. right. And so how are you finding ways to replenish, relax, talk to people who love and affirm you so that so that you're um, you're not just constantly depleted by the things that you have to do around this time of year? I agree. I totally agree. LP, we hope this helps. And to anyone out there who is a little anxious about the upcoming holidays, know that Sam and I love you very much. Absolutely. Thank you for writing, LP. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter is from Meg C., who is writing to us from Florida. And in parentheses, she writes, God help us all. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Sam and Sierra. I was wondering if you had any advice regarding the constant feeling of being uh, of almost being a, quote, stepping stone person in regards to romantic entanglements. I'm 23 years old and have been in only one serious relationship before. I very much would like to try to get into another relationship, but I can't shake the feeling that I'm the girl who only helps the guy get to the next, quote, right girl. And I'm never the actual girlfriend or herself. My ex and first love told me that he needed time alone when he broke up with me in order to, quote, figure himself out. However, within two weeks, he was, of course, in a new relationship with the girl he told me, quote, not to worry about. Mm. Over the last two to three years since, I've been in several almost uh, sort of situationships with men. And each time, it seems like they enjoy my company and occasional sex. Only only I later find out that they're, quote, not looking for anything serious. And yet the girl who comes after me is almost always the girl they end up in a relationship with and i'm always left wondering why i wasn't good enough for the same level of commitment a few months ago i started dating a guy i really liked and thought was cute i thought we were quote dating though i found out later that he was pretty much keeping me a secret because he told me he was not ready to be in a relationship right now gee i wonder where i've heard that before Fast forward to about a month ago, I moved four hours away to a new city to start a new job, and we still talk every day. He refers to me as his cutie or baby, even though we were never in slash are not in an official relationship. Texting him every day and knowing that I have someone that likes me to call me pet names— And be kind of cute is a great comfort during a time where I'm experiencing a lot of change. But I know that this can't go on forever, especially as this was probably never a relationship meant to last, even if it had gone in that direction. That said, I feel like I'm just bracing myself for the same hurt. Even though he told me he wasn't ready for another relationship, I feel like I'm just waiting for the ball to drop and to find him suddenly in a new relationship just like the rest, and it's causing me a lot of irrational anxiety. Once again, I'm afraid I'll just end up as the girl who's hanging on way too way longer than the guy, still single after he's moved on to his next next relationship, seemingly having taken solace in my affection and comfort for the interim while not intending to reciprocate. I don't even get involved with men all that often, but when I do, it feels like the same general outcome. I feel like I am a stepping stone of a person, the waiting room, the temporary comfort that men like to rely on until they're ready to find the girl that they actually want. 
and I'm tired of being sad over it. I just want to either not give a shit at all or to find someone who wants to reciprocate my effort and affection. But it feels like it's never going to happen, and I wish I could just let it go. Is it me? Am I crazy for, and not appealing to these men? Am I just not girlfriend material? Am I just people-pleasing for affection way longer than necessary? How do I find someone with the same general intentions as me? How do I stop feeling like I'm not good enough for any of these men? Any words of advice or comfort would be greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for taking the time to read my letter. Thank you so much, Meg. Thank you for writing and listening. And I'm sorry that you're stuck in this situation again. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Before we get into advice, I'm going to like pull, I'm going to do something new. Oh. (laughs) I'm going to pull a phrase that I learned from a different letter. Oh. So somebody from Vegas wrote, uh, who calls himself the better monkey, (laughs) wrote us a letter. And I hope some of the advice can like apply both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And the better monkey told us, asked our opinion of this phrase called um, monkey branching. Have you Mm -hmm. ever heard it? No, I have not. Okay. So apparently monkey branching is where this monkey feels that it's safe enough to let go of one vine and jump to another. And so like in relationships, it's there, someone who while in a relationship, they form a connection with someone else. And that's when they feel confident enough to move on from that relationship to another one. It's like, it's, it would be a phrase applied to people who are unhappy or unsatisfied or just fine in a relationship, but they don't leave until they have a a getaway car Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Yep. Um, And the better monkey writes, typically they'll find an excuse to break up with one person and not be straightforward about it because it's because of someone else. And you find out like two weeks after you break up, et cetera. When they're dating someone else, (laughs) it's not actually that they don't want to be in a relationship. It's that they don't want to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. And the better monkey wrote basically, do you have any advice for someone who was ultimately left for someone else? Mm. Yeah. especially if it seemed like a little bit of a suspicious situation. Mm. So I thought that would be fun to pull out that phrase because I've never actually heard it. Um, So Better Monkey, I hope that this answered some of your questions too. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever been, uh, what's the phrase again? Monkey branched? (laughs) I definitely have done it. (laughs) Yeah, I've done it for sure. (laughs) Uh, When I was younger. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Right around 21, 22. Yeah, I'm thinking more like 23, 24. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm thinking about like, yeah, times that I was younger and I like thought I was fine, happy, but really then somebody else came along. Um, and that sounds shitty. That sounds mm-hmm. so shitty, but it just is a part of life. And I cannot say that I would do that right now in my life, knowing myself better, knowing other people better, being in a happy, healthy relationship. Yep. But I cannot deny that I did that when I was younger because I did not have the tools um, to deal with conflict in any other way. Truly, that is the most accountable way I could say that. <laughs> yep, that's real. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I have been at some point. But obviously it didn't matter enough for me to remember it. So. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I was. But then we got back together and then I monkey branched him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. They call that a loop-de-loo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked you, bitch. Uh-huh. Um, just kidding. Uh, yeah. So we've talked about being a stepping stone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think your and I's like just break up official opinion on being a stepping stone is that is unfortunately unavoidable that yep. we are all stepping stones in each other's lives. Yes. However, um, I think there is something to be said, um, Meg. Um, Sam wrote a note on this letter <laughs> <laughs> that just said, um, like, as we were reading these letters, he wrote a note that said, if he doesn't want a relationship, why are you with him? And that might sound very <laughs> blunt and very Sam-like. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, but I, I want to start with that question because it it's it deserves to be answered, mm-hmm. right? I think I know some of them, the answers. It's that we want um, affection and attention and we want the comfort of knowing someone uh, is interested in us. Yep. Rejection really hurts. Mm-hmm. Being alone is a lot scarier than getting 15% from a man who's four hours away but doesn't want to commit to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that's a lot more comforting than being alone or going on new dates. Yeah. I mean, that's a way to look at it for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just the truth, right? Uh-huh. But like also being alone and going to new dates can be an exciting thing totally. too. <laughs> totally. And I think that, um, I guess I don't, I don't need to like, tiptoe around this. Meg, if you don't want to be a quote-unquote stepping stone, even though we all are because of just life and circumstance. Right. If you we don't are always be a- like the the last person that the person that we're... You know what I'm Good. saying? No, no. <laughs> Good. No, no. I want you to work it out. There, I'm the are- one that stutters on this or like messes up my language. Like you are always going to be the one before the one that the person finds. Right? Like You are always- here, folks. <laughs> Right. Like the people that we break that break up with us go on to date other people. Right. right? Like that's just the We're fact always the person right before. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Totally. And, you know, I think sometimes we might be reading into more patterns there than like might actually exist. Right. But that is for sure how it feels to be like, right. oh, well, this person didn't want to date me. And now they're dating this other person. There yeah. must be something inherently wrong with me. Yeah. And the reality is, is that like, no. You might not have been compatible with these two people, yeah, and or these people, and the, and then he also told you he didn't want to be a relationship, and you were like, okay, cool, yeah. So, so what I was not going to tiptoe around, Meg, is that a surefire way for you to avoid being someone's stepping stone is when they tell you they're not interested in a relationship, then you say, I'm not interested in a half one with you, yeah. Um, I'm not interested in pretending that we are in a relationship and I'm going to be a little hard on this dude and say to call someone pet names mm-hmm. and to text every day. Um, you are dating light. Yeah. Like you are, you are the diet Coke of dating right now. And mm-hmm. he's doing that because he knows he can with you. Yeah. Um, Ouch. Yes. Usually I mean, these are the things I say. <laughs> It's the ghost of Christmas past come to haunt me or something. (laughs) Freaky Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just run into each other. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I think that that's the—I think I'm being, like, very direct about it, Samuel, because I I love calling you Samuel on the show lately. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's weird. I always feel like I'm in trouble. Like, (laughs) I said something horrible, and you're like, Sam— Get it together. Uh, yes. Um, but the reason why I'm being direct is because I feel like that is how you avoid getting yourself in these half-assed things. And I know it almost sounds more clear. It sounds easier than it is because mm-hmm. I know it involves, A, giving up all hope. <laughs> 
like you can't. It is. It is living in a world in which potential means nothing. Yeah. You know, if you go on a first date or if you go out with somebody and you like make out and you're like, are you interested in like um, turning this into a thing or, you know, to establishing the relationship or whatever and they're like i'm not interested in it you can say oh well it's been really nice getting to know you mm-hmm. good luck yep i'm gonna go meet someone who wants to spend their time with me and wants to put their energy in in, in into a relationship with me for sure i'm going to now politely excuse you from my life so that you stop taking up the space that someone who would actually want me would inhabit for sure uh, so that would be my first thing, Meg. Yeah. And that's hard to say, especially if you are not feeling super confident yep. or, be, or if you really, 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 really like somebody, Yeah, I you mean, know, you're just like, that's why I said like the world of no hope, because you can't hold out hope for somebody to change their mind. For sure. You can't, um, like be good enough to make this guy for the way want to be in a relationship with you. For He's sure. proven that he's not going to all of a sudden wake up and be like, Oh my God, I want to date you. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's, Which I mean, it sucks. I know. And it's super, I feel it, bad saying it, that. <laughs> right. I do. But it is super hard to be, to say stuff like that when like you are just starting out in conversation with someone and there are like all of the butterflies and all yes. of this hope of like beautiful potential. And you're like, oh my God, this person is really cool and yes. I really like them. Yes. But one of the things that is hard about this but is actually going to be really helpful for you is to recognize that like those feelings, even if you act on them, aren't going to serve you unless you can establish some parameters that fit what you are looking for in this life. Because even no matter how cool that person is, no matter how good it feels to kiss them and hold them and have sex with them. And get the text from them saying, hey, my cutie. Right. No matter how good that feels, if it is not in the context of what you want, which is a relationship, then it doesn't mean anything. Right. It is only a distraction from what you from your goal. Right. Right. And you are a wonderful person. You are super smart and funny. You deserve a relationship with someone who wants to be in relationship with you. And anything less than that is you giving yourself away for someone who doesn't deserve you. I totally agree. Spending a lot of time and effort and and putting so much love into something that is not going to be something that will return that love to you. I totally agree. And it sucks and I, I hate it. And I think that we all so fear being alone. But for me, at least, it was better to be alone than to continue to undermine myself in relate in situationships with people who didn't want what I wanted. Yeah. And who continued to feed me like the the crumbs of something that could be so great and deny me of the full meal. Yep. Right. And it for me, I had to be like, it is better to be alone right. for the rest of my life rather than rather than be sort of led along in these things that never led to anything because people were allowed to take I was allowing myself to be taken advantage of by people who didn't want the same things that right. I wanted. Right. Uh Jessica Salgado, a poet, says, if you're not gonna stay, get out of the way for someone who will. Mm. Um and I think that's so quintessentially is what is happening here. I do want to talk a little so that we answer, so that we big Meg up at, to, to deal with the rejection of being yep. a stepping stone because that's 
that's inherent. It's yes, we want you to like draw some boundaries with this dude four hours away um, and actually ask for what you want, get what you want from somebody who's willing to show up for you. But we also want to big you up and talk about how to mentally, um, I don't know, pick yourself up after you were not chosen or you were somebody was chosen instead of you. And hopefully we can touch on some of um, the better monkey writers Mm -hmm. experience, too, for being left for someone else. Um, That shit sucks. (laughs) There's no pretty way around it. Like Uh rejection sucks. And then rejection like sugar coated with the evils of being not pick like somebody else being picked instead of me. Yep. That's like a very, very, very painful toxic pill to swallow. Yep. <laughs> um, because it, it almost immediately and without any apology asks us to compare ourselves to someone else. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it just like like it literally there there's almost no other reaction mm-hmm. <laughs> other yeah. than to be why not me. Right. Yeah, for sure. Or why this person? That feels like what it is, is that it's like an either or, like this person picked me or or this other person. And like it feels real 100%, but the reality is, is that that is not a real, that is not a real thing that exists. Right. Right. Like there are so many different complicating factors that go into the decisions that people make. It is rarely ever, uh, I have this person in front of me and this person in front of me and this one's just better. Right. Right. Like- there are so many different factors at play here that are have nothing to do with your value, with your worth, with how attractive you are, and that have everything to do with the fucked up ways that people's brains work when they are in relationship with other people. Right. Totally. And I, I don't know, like a part of me wants to ask you, Sam, like, how, how do I not make it like the remember in friends like when ross had his like pros and cons list or whatever Mm -hmm. with rachel and his fiance i don't Mm -hmm. remember any of it yeah (laughs) never seen that episode but yeah (laughs) well he writes like a pros and he's like torn between two women and he writes like a pros and cons list Mm -hmm. right and i think like being besides the fact that that is often exactly what it looks like yep in addition to the portrayals of that in media, you know, like, yep. like that I'm going to I'm going to leave my wife for you or I'm going to, you know, we we only see at surface level. We only see these two characters. So it's almost impossible not to pit them against each other yep. or make them make them as adversaries. Yep. Like, how, how do I break? What are the things I need to tell my brain to not? see it that way yeah when it is so clearly he could go right or left and he went right yes so for sure that's a thing that exists like he went right instead of left but the fact that he went right has nothing to do with With the left turn right (laughs) right it doesn't mean that the left turn wasn't great it just means that the left turn wasn't for him right right? and so like if ross is sitting down making a pros and cons list of rachel and emily i think so yeah you said you didn't watch it (laughs) well i know of the thing because he gets up there and he says yeah yeah, rachel at the wedding uh i have a working knowledge of friends having only seen like three episodes uh right even that pros and cons list like those pros and cons are inherently subjective right the things that he might view as cons are might actually be pros for other people or for the person he is writing the stupid list about right and so 
the fact that someone made a decision that feels like either or, even though for it probably isn't, but like even if it feels right. like either or, has no is not a reflection of you and your value. It is a reflection of the way that they are moving through the world, right? right? And so that left turn is amazing. Those cons on those con lists are what make you who you are and are right. beautiful and wonderful and maybe imperfect, but might be perfect for someone else, right? right. And so the issue in this situation and in many situations in stating is that like when we give up our power to a person who's making a decision about us and whether or not and deciding that that person's decision somehow is a reflection of our value or how great we are, then we are giving up our agency to move through this world with confidence and to find what we want mm-hmm. and to not accept stupid situationships with dumb people who don't want to love us in the way that we want to be loved. And so take it back. Like, it doesn't matter if those, if Ross thinks that that's a con, it's part of you. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And if he can't see it as a pro, then fuck him. Who cares? Yeah. This might sound cliche, but like 100% true. Your worth as a human being is not determined by people who can and cannot love you. No, absolutely not. And it it is a, it's a damn shame that we often grow up feeling like it is yep. um, or are told by the media that we are who loves us and mm-hmm. and who is incapable of loving us. Right. Yep. But just because someone else saw something in a different person than you doesn't mean you are nothing, doesn't mean you are worthless or nope. unlovable. Nope. Comparison is an act of violence against yourself. And we know that, like I said, I mean, I straight up asked Sam, like, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this proves that we are learning alongside you, head and heart workers. Um, For sure. Even though it does feel like that person literally might have chosen Another person over you in the grand scheme of the universe. Seriously. We are a blip of the universe, right? And there were literally a thousand mediating circumstances that that went into that decision. It was how they were raised, what they ate that day, um, what the other person's, I don't know, communication style is. Like there are so many things at play that that we could compare ourselves to every other person on this planet for the rest of our lives. And not only do many of us do that nonstop every day, but there are corporations and companies that make millions of dollars off of the fact that we are constantly not feeling good about ourselves and pitted against each other. Um, The most revolutionary thing you can do is tell yourself, regardless of anyone else, even regardless of my body, my appearance, my skills, my job, my capabilities, my friends, my partners, I am whole, I am worthy of happiness, and other people don't influence that, Absolutely. whether they want me or not. Yeah. No, that's real. And I know that's hard. No, and I know it sounds stupid, and I hate us for saying it. <laughs> well, sometimes, like, every three months, we have to really pull out the hallmark advice. Yeah, you know, but like, it's, like... It is real, though. I wouldn't be saying it if I didn't believe it. But the reality is, is that you are whole whether or not this person wants you. You are not a stepping stone to anything. You are a platform that people would be lucky to be on. Right. Right. And I I just want you to feel that and believe that in the same way that Sierra and I do. You don't have to be anyone's stepping stone. You don't have to settle for 15 percent of of what these people are giving you. You don't have to sit there and compare yourself to another person because 
some dude made a false choice between the two of you, right? A false choice. What a great... That it's a false choice because we think it's a choice, but it's not. It's, it's a, not. It's no. not a choice. It's no. It's not this or this. It is like it is a decision. here are a bajillion different things yeah. that I am choosing between at any given second in my mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Like you are an amazing person. You are whole without love, but even and but also with love. Right. Yes. You are whole with both of those things. And you are deserving of what you want out of this life. You are deserving of pursuing your happiness and you are deserving of telling people who are not going to give you that happiness that they don't deserve to be in your life. Right. You are amazing. And don't don't settle for stuff that doesn't bring you joy. It's not worth it. Don't settle for a text faux boyfriend. Right. (laughs) have him right into the podcast and we will tell him some things about what he is doing to people Mm -hmm, (laughs) because mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm annoyed with him for sure Mm -hmm. i mean he's on a journey yes he is (laughs) and that's great but it shouldn't be at the expense of other people amen (laughs) ringing in the new year 2020 but not using other people to have personal revelations about ourselves unfortunately we all have to do that sometimes but like it's constantly literally all the time uh but listen we love you. You are deserving of so much more than these situationships that you are in. And we just want you to ask for what you want and to find someone who's going to give it to you. Yep. That's right, Meg. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. We love you the better monkey, too. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you. All right. Our last letter comes from Julia Hood, who's writing from North Carolina. Trigger warning that this letter does contain mentions of sexual assault and rape. Hi, guys. I hope that you are both doing well if or when you are reading this. I was listening to one of the early episodes where Sierra mentioned her having a weird relationship to sex, and I felt called to write to you both in hopes of having you shed some light on my personal situation. Some background information. I am 20 in a monogamous relationship with my 21-year-old boyfriend, Jordan. We've been together for about a year now, and boy, oh boy, it's been an amazing year. We actually matched on Tinder, which led to each other's first ever Tinder date, and we've been in a committed, conscious relationship ever since. He is so unbelievably kind, loyal, hilarious, and supportive. We are that annoying couple you see out in public. I'll refer back to an old episode where someone wrote in about their good, true love. I know that I have found that. Obviously, he isn't the issue here, so let me dive into the meat (laughs) of the matter. (laughs) When I was 17, I started dating a guy from high school— whom I had been friends with prior to the romantic relationship. We will call him Past. Past. <laughs> yeah. Total, we were together for about two and a half years. Our friendship actually started off with our mutual acknowledgement of feelings, knowing that we both liked each other. I did not want a relationship, but I was eventually pre- pressured over time into entering one with him. About a year into us dating, we had sex. Again, something I was unfortunately pressured into. It was each of our first times, and I was scared and utterly insecure of my body, which is one of the main reasons I did not want to. Leading up to sex, I voiced that I didn't feel comfortable and I didn't want to do it. He angrily got up, cursed at me, slammed the door, and drove away from my house. I took a deep breath, picked up my phone, and called him to come back because I had changed my mind and I was ready to do it. He immediately came back and we had sex. Cue to the collapse of our relationship. Everything became revolved around sex at this after this point. I would have to use it as a means to have him hang out with me. I remember one time we were together at his house watching a movie and I wanted to go to a playground in the neighborhood and swing. He said I wasn't allowed to until we had sex. It wasn't fun or spontaneous and it was always one way. I know that sex was not what ruined us, but we were not in a healthy relationship prior to sex, but it definitely triggered the downfall. 
After a few months, Pass brought up, brought up BDSM and wanted to try different things out. I went along with it, absolutely going going absolute ham with online shopping at Adam and Eve. Not to yuck anyone's yum and to each their own, but after trying it out, it's just not for me. Also, I completely understand BDSM can be done 100% consensually and things can be healthy, but in my situation, things were not. Things got rough. Lines were blurry and I became confused on what was consensual or what was being taken advantage of. He grew very angry if I didn't cooperate with him, which led to physical violence a handful of times. I remember being slapped across the face, but I didn't ask him to stop. Therefore, I felt as though I had consented. He played out rape fantasies on a few occasions, and there were a number of times where I asked him to stop and he kept going even harder than before. I don't know if he thought I was playing along or if he just liked doing something to me when I did not want it. It confused me then and it confuses me now. Can I pull the sexual assault card when I agreed to do these rough and aggressive things with him? I still feel silly like I should have known it would lead to those types of fantasies or like it would happen to me or or like I let it happen to myself. He also enjoyed the idea of being cuckolded and would send images and videos to me of other men he found online without my permission on many occasions. I saw him over Christmas break briefly to exchange some of our things, and he laughed at me when I told him how uncomfortable I was with what he did and what he had done to me. He thought it was funny and was shocked to hear that I felt taken advantage of and assaulted. That only solidified my thoughts and fears on the matter. Sometimes I didn't ask for him to stop when what he was with what he was doing, so maybe I'm not in the right to say I was assaulted. I guess my struggle is to find clarity within the messy series of events. I'm not expecting a flat-out answer from you two, as I know this is a touchy subject, and especially touchy from outside looking in, as each sexual sexual violence incident varies. I want to add that my sex life with Jordan has been nothing short of magical. He, too, dipped his toes into the water of BDSM for a very brief moment of time with a partner, and yay for me, found out that he was also not a fan. I'm glad that we both have that experiment out of the way for us. While our sex is incredibly loving, fun, and healthy, also not to mention gives me butterflies just to think about, I still find myself going back to sex with past and letting my experiment experience affect my current sex life. There have been a few accounts of me crying after sex. Sometimes it is out of shame, or sometimes something will trigger it. A certain movement or thought will bring me back to that bad place. And then once we are finished having sex, those same feelings I would get after I would have sex with past will come back. Sometimes I catch myself attempting to use sex as a way to get attention, as I would so regularly do in my past relationship. I feel like I owe it to him or I need to use my body in order to feel seen. If Jordan isn't in the mood for something, I sometimes feel a sting of rejection stemming from the thought process that sex is all I have to offer. Please take it. Jordan invites these conversations and never makes me feel ashamed for having these thoughts or feelings. I remain transparent with him and let him know I'm feeling how I'm feeling when these issues do arise. I am held accountable and we don't go on with anything if I am feeling this way, which I appreciate him so much for. I'd say in 85% of the time we have amazing sex and the other 15, while still amazing, these old thoughts will come up and we'll talk them out. Overall, I'm searching for a bit of clarity on whether I have the personal right to say, yes, I've been assaulted and learn how to move on for that or how to not let it affect my current partnership. I hope this wasn't too messy or confusing. Feel free to paraphrase if you decide to share. If not, it felt really good to type this out. So thank you anyway. I love you both very much and thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Julia. Um, I think that Sam and I are both very moved by this letter. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I just, there's so much in here. Uh, 
that is just palpable in the way that you're feeling and and the things that you are going through right now. Yeah. Um, and I think Sierra and I are both touched that you decided to trust us with this. Yeah. Um, and we love you for that. Yeah. Um, do you want me to start or do you want to? Um, yeah. I mean, I'll just start with the thing <laughs> that I always say. Yeah. Um, which is that you get to define what happened to you in whatever way that you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not faking anything. Uh, you had sex with the person who physically harmed you, who did not stop when you said no, who pressured you into having sex when you did not want to, who used sex as a weapon against you. You absolutely have the right to say that you have been sexually assaulted if that is how you want to define what happened to you. Right. And I think so often we think of sexual assault as being some person breaks into our apartment, uh, rapes us in the night with a mask on and then leaves. But that is never, I mean, not never, that is very rarely the case, right? Right. And sexual assault can take all sorts of different forms and it can happen to all sorts of different people by all sorts of different people. And you get to say whether or not this is assault. And I want to say to you, just because you agreed to have sex with BDSM just because you agreed to have rough sex doesn't mean that what he did to you was not sexual assault. Right. You are allowed to retract consent at any time when you are having sex with someone and you did and he did not listen to you. Right. He did not stop when you said no and and I hate having this conversation over and over I like know. I'm like I'm seriously tearing up right now because of this like I we read all of these letters um and like this is just one of of so many that we get from people who have been in situations like this and have gone through ordeals and and trauma and are questioning whether or not they get to say that they are traumatized. My, right? The thing about this letter, other than like my personal association with it, is that she kept saying like, "I'm just looking for clarity." Like, I'm just looking for clarity. Right. And like, and like, isn't that such a relatable feeling? It's like you don't even like don't even tell me what to do, but instead just tell me what's real or right. not real. Yep. Uh, and that's like and just so palpable. That Yeah, that feeling of like not even knowing how to process it, like not even knowing how to define it so that you can begin yes. to move forward, yeah. right? And like, yeah. I've been there, right? Yeah. Like I've been in that situation and I like, and that I think is why it's so affecting for both of us. Totally. And, and I want to say this to you and I want to say this to everyone else who has written us a letter that we haven't been able to read on the podcast who have had experiences like this is just like, again, you get to define what this is for what you. What happened to you. Right. And, and if it, even if it doesn't look like a masked intruder coming into your bedroom and, and raping you forcibly does not mean that it was not assault, does not mean that it was not trauma. And, and if you invited that person into your bed and they took advantage of you or you, or they pressured you into having sex when you really didn't want to, but you didn't really say no, like all of those things. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you Doesn't didn't matter. want to do it and they did it anyway, that that is what assault is. Right. And and rather than getting tied down in the definitions of that, like I want us all to be focusing on like how we can move forward from it. Yeah. Instead of denying ourselves the space to acknowledge our trauma, let's talk about our trauma and figure out how we can move past it. Yeah. I think that the reason um why I'm so particularly moved is because of how Thoroughly, I relate to your experience, particularly being young. Yeah. Um, yep. 
when I was in high school, my first sexual partner was my high school boyfriend, my first love. Um, and I did love him. Um, but as I've spoken about in way past episodes, um, I developed a very unhealthy relationship to sex um, because of some of the dynamics that um, we both created, um, yeah. which I won't get into. But I I want to share with our wonderful listener um, something that brought me a great amount of healing because I, too, was somebody out there in the in the gray area of not knowing how to define there were, I have been, I have had experiences, unfortunately that are very black and white. Right. Yep, yep. <laughs> but then I have had this, I had this entire, you know, several year relationship with sex that made everything confusing mm-hmm. and, and everything triggering before I knew what triggering was. Yep. Um, and years after all of that, I, was still moving through the world with much of what you just described, Sam, of like this unsurety of what was real or not real or what was valid or, or, or if I could like claim anything as mine. And, um, a couple years ago, I discovered, I was told by a loved one, actually, like a partner of mine, because they had seen the ways that I had interacted with sex. Um, and they said, I think that you might want to read about this, this mm-hmm. condition, this disorder, and it's called sexual aversion disorder. And the abbreviation is sad. Oh. <laughs> Let's just talk about that for a fucking second. Like, <laughs> of oh, course. No. Um, anyway, and, and, um, uh, you may not, this, you may not relate to this, mm-hmm. um, but, this is very much something that helped me understand like the aftermath of my relationship to sex when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so sexual aversion um, is in the, it, it's defined as a persistent or recurrent, recurrent extreme aversion to or avoidance of all or almost all general s- sexual contact with a sexual partner. Mm-hmm. Um which can cause distress or interpersonal difficulties. Um, but it also go, it goes on to include or to describe it as a conditional, excuse me, a conditioned emotional response or a conditioned of, uh, avoidance response. And what I read about it um, or what I can connect it to in my personal experience is even though I consider myself a very sexual person, um, our bodies have so much physical memory and um, our bodies definitely carry trauma. And how my sexual aversion would appear is um, completely shutting down when somebody touches me or feeling um, triggered to remember past sexual experiences while having sex with a partner that I loved and trusted Mm -hmm. and therefore not wanting to have sex with the person that I loved and trusted. Um, I would sex, uh, act out sexually because of it. I really related to the, the thing that the, um, listener wrote about like using sex for attention or like trying, like, or using it to get, um, or feeling rejected when you were sexually denied because you were taught that that is how that is your worth in the relationship. Um, I really struggled with that for a long time. And, uh, for me, it was just a, it was a way for me to 
understand like why my body would shut down sometimes mm-hmm. um, and really become um, cold and par- paranoid. And uh, something that I thought was really interesting about sexual aversion when I was first learning about it is that if for a long time it was considered an anxiety disorder because it is it's like if you think about anxiety, anxiety is like your body going into hyperdrive that something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, I'm so anxious about failing this test. I'm so I get really anxious when I drive or I have this anxiety about this and this and this. Um, and and if you think about anxiety and sex, like if you have a negative association to sex or that you or you have been trained that sex means this sex means violence or sex means pain or or betrayal you know if you if your body starts to feel that thing happening again it doesn't know that it's safe and so it has this anxious physical reaction just like a panic attack yeah um and again i'm not sure if this 100 percent applies um to our listeners experience but i just related so strongly to carrying like the ghost of my high school sex life with mm-hmm. me into my 20s and not really knowing how to unpack it yep. because nobody talks about like you said the 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 infinite gray area of sexuality sex assault yep. um and how fucking like Real talk, I do not have children right now. I, I hope to have children one day. And and I have always said, like, I don't know if I'm going to, like, I will have no control over my teenager, <laughs> that number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I can I can tell them not to do something and that just will be literally mean nothing. But I've often said, like, I don't want my teenager to date in high school um, because of how fucking rewired my brain was by my high school relationships and by the sex that I had. Mm -hmm. Like I thought I knew what I was doing and I thought I was ready to deal with the consequences of that, the physical and emotional relationships, but I had zero tools and zero support. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. To to deal with the literal, the, the, the baggage that I got from that relationship. Yeah. So that's something. (laughs) I'm sorry. I need to like. So, this is like really intense. Um, yeah. So, Julia, um, you can take out of what Zira and I have said to you whatever what you works want. for you. Yeah. Um, whether or not, whether or not the words sexual assault work for you, whether or not this uh, sexual aversion disorder works for you, right? You can take that or you can leave it. Um, but I think it's important for us that you recognize that the things that have happened to you are shaping the world that you are moving through right now. And that's okay. Yes. Right. It is okay to bring in trauma into a relationship. It's okay to have flashbacks to bad things that have happened to us. Like that is okay to enjoy sex. (laughs) Yeah. Also that, like, like, I want to give you positive, like (laughs) I want to give you permission to have joy too. Yes, absolutely. Um, Like all of those things are okay. You are a, you are a person that contains multitudes, right? And you can bring all of those different identities and all of those different experiences into the into a relationship with um, your new person, who I don't think you actually gave a name to, uh, <laughs> but who seems really awesome. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I will say that you know there are tools and there are resources out there for you to be able to take what what you want out of the things that have happened to you and leave the things that aren't working for you. And if you are not currently in therapy right now, I would tell you, as I tell so many people, 
to seek out someone that can help you figure this out, right? Um, who can validate your experiences and can say, okay, now that we've named it, how do we move on from it? Yeah. Right. And as much as Sierra and I would love to sit with you and and continue to have this conversation, we're just two people in this, a studio. And this is going to be an ongoing thing. For sure. um, and I do want to say, like, as somebody who has a very similar timeline to you, it seems, like in terms of t- times of age and, and things like that, um, I'm 33 and now I feel so... I've it it gets better. <laughs> like it I hate to say that cliche, but uh-huh. like um the more you allow yourself to uh, the more forgiveness you give your your younger self for doing what she the only what she knew how to do, right? Yep. Which is survive, respond, you know, we're we're taught as young girls to be sexual objects, you yep. know. Um, this, this journey into yourself, this journey of your sexuality is, is literally never going to end. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I'm sorry that this happened to you. I'm I'm sorry that this is how the journey started, but it's not going to end this way. Um, and I want to say that I have given myself so much grace and forgiveness and understanding since that time of my life, um, because of some of the resources that Sam is talking about, talking to a therapist about that, processing um, what does it mean to to actually want to have sex and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, that's been like a, I've been shaping my sexuality my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It has never been set in stone. Um, I am going to share a resource as a blind date. Um, so know that that is sort of shouted out to you, um, but I'll save it till the end of the show. <laughs> Awesome. Julia, we love you so much. You are you are not broken by this these things that have happened to you. You are capable of love and you are capable of being loved. You are capable of having great sex and or if not having great sex yes, if you don't want to. Totally. Uh but you are a wonderful, wonderful person. You are whole no matter what has happened to you. And yeah. we love you so much. And thank you for writing and thank you for allowing us to speak our truths as well through your experience. Absolutely. We love you. We love you. Thanks for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and hook you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... It's a book called The Sexual Healing Journey, A Guide for Survivors (laughs) of Sexual Assault um, by Wendy Maltz. And uh, I. this was given to me by a loved one um and i found uh it very powerful um i do want to say that su- the content of it does not mince words mm. um some like some of the reviews um say that it is triggering so just be aware of that when you buy it it's, it's not going to tiptoe around these subjects yeah. but i also want to say that we see uh depictions of sexual violence in popular media constantly yep. um and this is an actual resource built off of um, studies and and therapy and and it's meant to be a tool for our empowerment, not for our exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, so may, definitely like read it um, if you like read it as you feel safe to um, be aware that there are there is like explicit language in it about um, instances of rape and, and sexual violence. However, this is a, a tool for our healing, for our empowerment. Um, again, 
again, it's called The Sexual Healing Journey by Wendy Maltz. All right. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode and you'll be giving us a really nice Christmas present. Yes, or Hanukkah present or Yes, well, I mean, we Kwanzaa both celebrate or, yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This literally keeps the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, and producing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, right now you are making your way to the other side of whatever it is that is troubling you right now. You are not responsible for other people's growth or how they hurt or betrayed you. You are only responsible for reclaiming every inch of yourself. Every moment of your day of your life is yours. You are whole even as you grow. You are whole even as you make mistakes. You are whole even as you learn. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>